Vince Dorland, and welcome to the Marmot's Hole podcast, brought to you each week by KoreaFM.net, an online radio station featuring independent musicians and original podcast content from the Korean Peninsula. Of course, I'm joined always by Robert Kohler, a magazine editor here in Seoul, who for years operated the Marmot's Hole blog on rjkohler.com. And today, Rob, we'll start with the big news on the peninsula. The gay song industrial complex is no more. Uh, we'll also talk about how fat has come roaring back, and we'll finish with a lighthearted discussion of the late-night talk show host, Conan O'Brien. But first, uh, we had a break for Solau, Rob. So what did you do for Solau? Um, well, um, I, I had an assignment uh, for one of the magazines that I work for. Uh, so I ended up going down to the island of Gojedo near Pusan, um, wonderful place. Uh, I definitely recommend it as a, as a travel de- uh, destination. Um, yeah, I spent uh, about four days down there, uh, you know, uh, running around the island, taking pictures. Um, yeah, it's a, there are worse ways to spend a, a, a long holiday. It's hilarious because my girlfriend's from Miliang, so for the last, uh, two major holidays, you know, here, Chuseok and Solal, I've gone to Miliang. And this last time I went to Miliang for a couple of days, we did the ancestral ceremony and then we too went to Goje Island. <laughs> so, what, what, what did you see down there? Um, oh gosh. So we, uh, we stayed at a pension, uh, right on the water. And oh, then, tons of those down there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but you know, not <laughs> nondescript. And then we went to, um, like a, a Buddhist temple that was on a mountain and we just drove around. I mean, they, they drive. They're driving Koreans. They have two very nice automobiles. So we just kind of drove from one place to the other, looked around. Um, we took like a boat to an even smaller island um, that was kind of like a wildlife uh, sanctuary. We just walked around, looked, and yeah, you know, I, I don't have much to report other than it was just really nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, the weather was quite spring-like. Um, some of the uh, was it camellia flowers are uh, blooming down there. Um, did you, uh, by any chance, uh, see the shipyards? Oh yeah. So uh, we talked about this, uh, we sent some messages back and forth. Um, I saw, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a ship fearing kind of guy, you know, I, I don't know too much about it, but, um, it was really impressive. Just these giant, you know, man-made structures that you could see from far off as long as you had a clear line of sight and, you know, Koreans, good bit shipbuilders, I guess. Oh, world's, the world's best. Um, you know, three of the, uh, three, the three, the world's three largest shipyards are all located in Korea. Two of them on Gojedo, um, the Samsung shipyards and the Daewoo shipyards. And yeah, I mean, those things are, yeah, you, th- those things, they leave an impression. I mean, we're talking about equipment on these things that are the size of skyscrapers. I mean, the ships themselves are huge. Um, you know, oil tankers and, uh, you know, gas carriers. Um, yeah, I mean, these things are, and these shipyards, they're cities onto themselves. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I think I posted on Facebook and, and I really didn't mean this when I said it. And these were the, um, the, the most impressive, uh, symbols of industrial might I've ever seen. I remember being more impressed with the shipyard than the ships they were building. Cause the ships that I saw that were being constructed or at least were near, the shipyard, they were all the same design and they were just kind of like, you know, they were what they were. Yeah. You, once you see, once you see one giant oil tanker, you've seen them all, but yeah, but the shipyards themselves, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to see, you know, those, those massive creatures being, 
being being built, you know, with cranes that are the size of like thirty story buildings. I mean, these things were, yeah. I mean, it's and you can and you, literally you can see those things from miles and miles away. Um, I saw you know, when I first saw them. I I was at the top of a uh, mountain. Uh, you know, I actually went up to the top of the mountain to take uh, you know nighttime photographs of of the shipyards. You Rob taking nighttime photos on a mountain? No. Yeah, it was kind of spooky too because you know it was I was the only one up there, and uh, you know well, when you're alone at the top of a mountain at sunset, it's a little bit. <laughs> take a take a wrong step and just fly off. Right. I mean, I've actually rolled down i i had had to get nine one you know uh not medevac but um i i needed to get uh nine one one off a mountain once because i or you mean one one nine one one nine uh off a off a mountain in the middle of nowhere because i'd flipped in the middle of night and uh you're coming down and rolled about 10 meters kind of screwed up my leg so i do have some reason to be concerned but no even i mean this mountain wasn't particularly dangerous but still you know being at the top uh, you know, when the night, go, when, uh, when the light goes, you know, when the sun goes down and you're the only one up there and you're really the only person you see for, for miles, it is a little bit, uh, especially when you've got basically a 360 view at the top of that mountain, um, you, between the, you know, being in the middle of this natural scenery, it's a little bit, um, yeah, I guess like romantic painters used to say it's, it, it creates almost a sense of terror, um, in a good way, but also in a very, you know, kind of, uh, it, it does leave you feeling somewhat uncomfortable. But I mean, I mean, the shipyards, I mean, they're impressive from afar, but even when you like, you know, the next day I took the bus around the, the day yard, you know, cause, uh, the, the bus that goes downtown skirts the, the, the skirts, the, uh, the shipyard along, uh, along its, uh, along its, its, uh, its rim. And, uh, man, uh, it's even more impressive up close. Yeah. I didn't get that close. We just drove by, um, a couple different times, like I said, we were just kind of weaving in and out of the island with the really nice cars we were driving in. But they're not, they're not doing it particularly well now. I think they haven't. I forget for how long they haven't gotten any. I don't think they've gotten any orders this year. Um, yeah, truthfully, I, I wasn't like thinking it at the time, but now that I look back, it seemed like they could have been doing more. Yeah, well, it's a it's a slow t- it, the, the, the the international ship market is going through kind of a slow period, but I think. Uh, some of these shipyards are kind of hoping that um, with the lifting of sanctions on Iran, that Iran's going to be pumping a ton of money into boosting their uh, their infrastructure, their infrastructure, particularly with natural gas and oil, which means you know offshore facilities, and you know they'll be needing you know uh, you know gas carriers and tankers. So um, I think they're I think they're hoping that that's going to you know spark the industry a bit. We'll see. Well, Rob, perfect segue, um, talking about Iran, a country that, you know, could have gone a different way. Um, you know, people talked about a possible war with Iran, and, you know, some people are still talking about that now because they say this peace deal isn't going to work out. But yeah, we'll something see. that yeah. has not gone nearly as well as the success that we've seen, uh, at least so far with Iran, uh, is North Korea. Uh, And so let's talk about that. A week ago, on February 10th, the South Korean government decided to cancel cooperation with North Korea in the Gaesong Industrial Zone, arguing that the income from that project had been used by Pyongyang to finance its nuclear and missile programs. 
One day later, the North froze all assets, expelled all South Koreans, and declared the zone a military security area. 38North.org writes that the Joint Industrial Park was a major product of the sunshine area of Presidents Kim Dae-jung and Roh Moo-hyun, at some point aiming to employ as many as one million North Korean workers with South Korean enterprises. Now, uh, Gaesong had been closed before. Back in 2013, North Korea interrupted its operation in protest over joint military maneuvers of South Korean and U.S. forces. South Korea, however, always insisted that Gaesong had to be treated separately from all the ups and downs, you know, the back and forth that anyone who's lived here and anyone who's, who can read basically knows happens. So, of course, that policy now seems to have changed. Uh, the Financial Times also reports that Seoul's decision to shut down the Gaesong Park, which is 10 kilometers inside North Korean territory, has thrown into doubt the prospects for the 124 companies that were operating there, while further heightening tensions on the divided peninsula. Seoul has justified its decision to reverse that pledge that I mentioned to keep Gaesong operating by once again saying that the $516 million U.S. million that flowed into North Korea through the park helped fund nuclear weapon and missile development. So originally, and we're kind of seeing this play out now, South Korea's unification minister said that 70% of that money that had been going to North Korea had been used for this weapon development. But when lawmakers pushed him for evidence to back that claim, um, noting that Seoul could have breached UN sanctions if they knew that they were funding North Korea's nuclear program, the unification minister then said the government didn't have that proof. And then now backtracked on that and said that the evidence could not be disclosed. So, uh, Rob, lots going on with this. Like I said, it's the big news here in South Korea, perhaps other than Conan O'Brien, which we'll be getting to in a moment. So what's your overall stance on this? Was this a good or bad move by President Park to shut down the Gaesong industrial complex? Well, I mean, my personal feeling is that it was a good move um, or you know, more to the point that it was un- it was an unavoidable move. Uh, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest, and I mean, South Korean officials are going to the press and saying as much that um, this move was done under a degree of pressure from, well, it goes without saying the United States and Japan, but Apparently, even Russia and China were telling them that, uh, you know, were telling Seoul that if you want the international community to place sanctions on North Korea, and you know, the Pakane administration was calling on the international community to slap sanctions on North Korea, then Seoul had to be had to make the first move by shutting down Gaesong. You know, um, and there is a lot of logic to this. Um, and I mean, you know, if you're the United States or you're Japan or you're China or you're Russia, um, it's a bit odd to entertain requests that you throw a sanction on a country while the country making that request is operating an industrial complex in the country that's supposed to be sanctioned and funneling money into said country through said complex. So, yeah, I mean, United States and Japan, they, I mean, they all came and said, you know, look, if you want these sanctions and you got to make the first move, you got to shut this down. Um, and if you're of the conspiratorially minded sort, if you're a conspiratorially minded sort, 
Um, the fact that the Chinese and the Russians were also asking Seoul to shut down the uh, uh, shut down the complex. Uh, you might believe that China and Russia are trying to clear Korea out of the out of the North Korean market so that they can you know monopolize it themselves. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much I believe that. But as you say, any good conspiracy usually has like one small factoid that is there, or at least is interesting and perhaps thrilling to think that it might be true. So, I mean, d- does this have any of that? Is there any way that that could possibly be the case? Who the hell knows? Um, and even if it were true, I mean, you know, um, you what would the Chinese or Russians really get out of it? You know, you know, being able to corner the North Korean market is like, you know, I don't know, saying you're cornering the Albanian market or something. It's, you know, you know uh, it's not the sort of thing that's going to, uh, you know, uh, it's not the sort of thing that with which major economies uh, rise and fall. You know what I mean? So then when you it sounds correct me if I'm wrong, when you when you talk about how this was a good idea to shut down Gaysong, you're looking at it as in within the context of the situation and, and everything that's going on. It was the right decision. Well, look, yeah, I'll quote the, the Wall Street Journal in here. The Wall Street Journal ran an editorial and when it got when it got shut down. And basically they said, well, not basically, verbatim, they said, you know, shutter, shuttering Gaysong is a minimum requirement if South Korean leader Park is serious about imposing what she has called bone-numbing pain on Pyongyang for its uh, nuclear escalation, and if the new U.S. financial sanctions awaiting President Obama's signature are finally going to hit him in the pocketbook. You know, um, so I, I find it difficult to argue with that. Um, plus, I mean, there's another thing as well. I mean, you know, aside from the money going to North Korea, and, I, you know, I think there's questions over just... Uh, there's, there's an argument to be made that it, it wasn't actually giving North Korea that much money, but... Um, it wasn't just the money for me. It wasn't just the money issue. It was also that any time North Korea, you know, wanted to put pressure on, on South Korea, they could they would play around with Gaysong. They would threaten to shut it down. They would take you know South Korean workers hostage. <laughs> um, there was a lot of nonsense that went on there. And uh, as uh, uh, a guy at the Heritage Foundation, a scholar Bruce Klinger tweeted, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, you know, realizing that being repeatedly needed in the groin is not dialogue is the first step of the, to recovery. You know, um, yeah, I think, you know, um, unfortunately, I think he's hit the nail on the head there. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to, to, to see kind of where you're coming at this then. So it sounds like you completely agree with the situation right now. This was a smart thing to do. But I've been seeing this kind of play out on social media and also just my, my friends on Facebook. And I have some friends who think, okay, this is a bad idea. I have some friends who agree with you. They say this was a good idea. But then I also have friends who say this never should have existed in the first place. So where do you, where do you fall in line? Well, I mean, look, I, I would, I'd be more, I was never a fan of sunshine to begin with. So I never liked the gay sung industrial complex. I never liked the idea um, but, um, so yeah, naturally, you know, for me closing it down is, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not sad to see it go. That being said, I mean, there is, a, there's another argument here and I think it is worth examining. Um, as a safety valve, it was useful, you know, no matter how bad relations between North and South Korea got, 
you know, Gay Sung managed to survive, you know, um, you know, and it was a way, it was sort of a bellwether that, you know, even if everything else looked like it was going to shit, as long as Gay Sung was going, you, you knew that things would probably be okay. Or at least that's how you felt. Um, definitely closing it down is going to worsen relations, right? The North Koreans, you know, the North Koreans were always happy to screw around with Gay Sung, but they're not happy that, you know, South Korea is the one that finally put a, you know, finally put a fork in it, right? They're not happy about that. Um, certainly the, the South Korean companies that were working in Gaesung are going to be taking a hosing. Um, but if it makes them feel any better, you know, they're not the first company to uh, get, you know, they're not the first company uh, operating in North Korea to get burned. You know, um, so, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot not to like about this. Um, plus, if I mean, if you if you are a believer in you know creating a a more peaceful environment on the Korean Peninsula, if you believe that it's possible to create a more peaceful environment on the Korean Peninsula by you know encouraging international you know uh, economic uh, um, cooperation between the two Koreas, you know opening up North Korea um, through trade, opening up North Korea through investment. You know, using that as a way of trying to build contacts and, you know, uh, you know, incrementally bring change to North Korea. If you think that's possible, I don't. But there's a lot of people, there's a lot of smart people who do. Uh, then, yeah, this is not, you know, watching Gaysong get get shut down is not a good thing. So then you, you, you kind of just brought this up a little bit, this idea of um, the money that was going to Gaysong was being used for weapons. And you thought maybe that might not be as strong as the initial claim was. But let, let's talk about that. Well, I, actually, let's talk. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. I mean, um, I, and I think the story there is not so much that, you know, well, you know, if it is true that 70 percent of that money was getting, you know, put to to uh, nefarious use, I, you know, that's a big deal. But currently, I think the bigger deal is that there seems to be some serious miscommunication going on between, uh, you know, the president and her ministries. Yeah, I mean, you had the, the ministry of unification go out and say 70% is being used, you know, you know, either for, you know, nuclear development or missile development or going to, you know, pay for Mercedes Benzes and Cognac or that sort of thing. Um, and then he goes and backtracks on it when, uh, you know, when the opposition calls for a, you know, when the, when the opposition A calls for proof and then B says, if you have proof that this was going on, that might constitute a UN, you know, violation of UN sanctions, which, you know, is a bit rich coming from the opposition. But, you know, that's, you know, you know, that's another story. Um, but then, you know, after he backtracks the next day, President Bakane goes to the National Assembly and then repeats the, the, the 70 percent claim. You know, so what's going on here? Um, yeah, and then again, the, the, the minister goes, yeah, we, it is true. It might be true, but we really can't disclose why we think it is. I mean, who the hell knows? Um, you know, um, I am incl because I'm inclined to think the worst about gay songs. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> um, I, well, I mean, look, it's, it's important to be honest here. I'm inclined to think the worst about gay songs, so. You know, um, you know, in the spirit of the of the of the renewal of the X Files, I want to believe. Right? Nice tie in there. That was good. I, I want to believe that this was all you know BS and you know uh, an under the table way of yeah you know, that that 
yeah, I want to believe that the, 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 the sunshine regimes were looking the other way while they knew you know, North Korea was taking that money and then you know, using it to build nukes. But, but I have no proof but, that that's the case. How, how, could, how um, could that ever and, have been the... the I, I don't understand how that ever could have happened. I, what would have been the motivation for that? Well, I don't know. Look, I don't think, I don't think, even if it is true that, that even if it is true that previous South Korean governments, and it wouldn't just be, you know, Kim Dae-jung and Nomi Hun, it would also have been the Yimam Bak administration. Mm-hmm. Even if it's true that they knew what was going on, you know, how North Korea was spending its money, they thought it, other political and security priorities were more important other than nukes and missiles right i mean look countries make those kind of decisions all the time look uh you know uh, for example during the cold war we may have known that certain you know dictators i don't know in latin america were you know, may have had side businesses, you know, you know, um, you know, exporting cocaine to the United States. We might have known that that's the case. We may have not. We may not have liked it. But, you know, we can you know, continue to back them anyway because of, you know, that there were more overriding you know, political factors. I, I don't know, man. I, I grew up in a very rural area of Iowa and my, one time my neighbors were actually making meth and I, <laughs> the cop in my town was, was, he was a nice guy, but he was basically kind of useless. And he would sit out in front of the town with a speed gun, just checking people. Cause there was a speed trap, you know? And one day after work, I worked at a convenience store and I, you know, I rolled into town like at midnight or something after we had closed down. I rolled up to the to the cop car and I said, "Hey, how you doing?" Like, I think my neighbors are making meth. <laughs> a couple months later, my neighbors roll. Uh, the cops rolled in, kicked in the door, had bulletproof vests, and like arrested my neighbors. And we lived a couple blocks away from a school, so they got like ho- crazy sentences because they were within a school zone, like making you right. know drugs. So it was pretty bad. But like once again, right. you know, I don't feel too bad for them. You know, making drugs and everything, but. I got to tell you, man, um, even that is not a nuclear weapon. Well, look, I mean, that's a little different. Possibly so. But, um, you know, I don't think anybody, even Gaysung's strongest, you know, uh, detractors. And I, you know, frankly, I consider myself one of them. Um, nobody is accusing, you know, Gaysung of, you know, being the sole source of income, uh, you know, the sole source of funding for North Korea's nuclear program. Um, you know, most of the money that they were using for that comes from other sources. Um, Gaesung probably wasn't making all that much money for North Korea. And like I said, if you are a proponent of, of, if you think, you know, if you believe that, 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 uh, engagement with North Korea was working, or could work, you know, that, you know, engaging North Korea economically, engaging it politically, engaging it culturally. Um, if you believe that that in the long run will create a more stable security situation on the Korean peninsula, you might be willing to look the other way in a, you know, in Gaesung because you think that Gaesung is serving a higher, you know, uh, a higher purpose. Um, again, that's, we're all basing this on on you know, we're, we're premising this on on the assumption that the south korean government knew that 
Well, we're doing on two assumptions. Well, that even that, that the claim is, that is, is correct. That is a that is true. That seventy percent was going you know, to the missile program, and b that the South Korean government's that's a succession a succession of uh, of, of South Korean governments knew this. You know, both of which we don't know, and you know, highly debatable claims. But um, yeah, I'm saying if all those things were true, there might be a yeah, it still might be illegal, and it would still probably be a violation. It might be a violation of UN sanctions, but you could at least make uh, a compelling argument for why that why that might have been necessary for the greater interest of the of the nation. Well, so you know, as you've made a very clear case, this is a little complicated, and we'll, we might not never know. And we certainly don't know exactly what's going Especially on. Especially since I'm arguing a point that I don't really yeah, agree with. Right. <laughs> Devil's advocate, <laughs> but um, right. okay. So let's let's move on a little bit here. So it's right. shut down. That has happened. Like I said, it's it's being criticized. But you, yourself and I have some other friends who are very happy to see this uh, to see this be shut down. And and as I mentioned, even further than that, would have been happy to have it never have been put together in the first place, as opposed to thinking it might have been an okay idea and it just didn't work out. But um, not necessarily because of gay song, but uh, because of the the missile test that we, the the, the rocket test, sorry, <laughs> not, to, right. not to defame anyone, the rocket test that North Korea right, did. Yeah. So, and then obviously- the, Yeah, the peaceful rocket the, test. The yeah, well, recent, yeah. One of the tests, they, they, they put up a they satellite. They put up a satellite, test. and then yeah, the yeah, recent yeah. nuclear test um, that, you know, they claimed it was one thing, and then people were saying it's something else, but it's definitely, you know, a bomb. Um, that was right. tested. So we're, we're now talking about fat again. Um, yes. And this is something <laughs> yes, that's been- in the news more or less, you know, for a long time at different levels. Um, From what I remember previously, the reports that I had done and the reports that I had heard was that it seemed like it could have worked, but uh, more or less because of how uh, Korea's relationship with China would be affected if that was implemented, it was kind of being put off or it was being not implemented and they're just still talking about it and kind of having an argument. But um, that definitely seems to have changed now. Um, so is that the only thing that's changed changed with that? Is that, you know, North Korea is now testing rockets and another nuclear test? Or is there something else that's not being reported that also plays into this renewed discussion of that? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's the North Korea angle to this. Obviously, you know, you have the nuclear test, you have the 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 uh, the, the, the nascent North Korean space exploration program. <laughs> going on that, you know, some allege might, you know, be convertible to, you know, a, an international ballistic missiles program. Um, not that we'd ever accuse North Korea of doing that. Um, so you have that angle. Um, I'm pretty sure you have the Americans continuing to, you know, uh, nudge Seoul and uh, saying, look, you know, um, we really want you to you know, get on the whole missile defense uh, bandwagon with us, you know, uh, join the team, so to speak. Um, but I also think there's also a growing frustration in, in that this, this really hasn't been expressed yet, not openly, but I think, um, during the early pocket part, very early part of the pocket, like administration, she really uh, made a lot of effort to, uh, strengthen Seoul's ties with Beijing. Right. I think there's some frustration now that um, those strength, those strengthened ties with Beijing have not translated into action um, 
on North Korea. So I think um, to a large extent, what you're state, what you're seeing with with with, uh, with that is uh, an attempt by both the United States and Japan to uh, you know light the proverbial fire under China's ass and say you really need to you know, you really need to move on this. Um, you can't just sit there and 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 pretend like North Korea is not your problem. Um, I find the, the, the that you know the terminal high altitude area defense. It, it's interesting because, um, to be perfectly frank, given South Korea's geographic, uh, you know, given South Korea's geography and its strategic situation, that isn't really useful. It's definitely not useful for defending South Korea. Um, you know, as the name would suggest, terminal high altitude area defense, you know, that, that, that system is designed to take out ballistic missiles high, you know, high up. But not necessarily just like a hop, what's that phrase, hot skip and a roll? <laughs> not, not a missile that's just right across the street from you. Right. It's not, it's not, you know, you know, the missiles that are going to be taking out, you know, Seoul or Pusan or whatever, that's not, you know, that is, is next, is next to useless with dealing with that and quite frankly with even with you know you know icbms launched from north korea at the united states you you need to be able to take it out you know that installations in south korea would have about a minute to take out a a a missile launch from 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 bases in north korea and as far as i know i think so far, that doesn't have the, even have the capability of doing that. Um, so, in terms of its military usefulness, uh, that installations in South Korea are not very useful. At least with dealing with the North Korea threat, they would, however, be useful dealing with missiles being launched from China. And you know, obviously, the Chinese are not happy about this. The Chinese have long you know, been telling Seoul, you know, that uh, it would not look favorably upon uh, the United States uh, setting up that installation in South Korea. The Chinese are, are, are already asking the South Koreans to to uh, withdraw their decision to allow the Americans to set up here. Um, I don't think Seoul's really uh, in a mood to listen. Um, but look, I personally, like I said, I actually... I actually think that the decision to set up that here is uh, is a good idea, um, precisely because you know, um, precisely because I do think it puts pressure on China to, you know, um, it sends a message to China that there are consequences to doing nothing. So you're not you're not a fan of that, as in. Let's protect Korea from North Korea, but you're a fan of that for, as you just mentioned, another reason. Right. Um, yeah, right. I, I do think, you know, it's another way of putting pressure on the Chinese to, you know, play, you know, to, to take a more proactive approach to to their, their client state in North Korea. And let's be frank here. I mean, look, I, as an American, I'm I think I've mentioned this before on the, on the podcast as an American, I'm, I'm sympathetic to you know the headaches of dealing with loose cannon allies 
you know, uh, the United States has tons of them, you know, allies that are, you know, not particularly easy to deal with. And, you know, client states that are not easy to deal with, you know, that are a pain in the asses. They can be an embarrassment sometimes. Right. Um, so you're throwing China a bone here. You're understanding at least somewhat the situation. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say that I understand their situation, right? I know God knows who's, you know, North Korea is probably, even, you know, not the easiest ally to have, right? You know, but, you know, the relationship is what it is. And, you know, you pump a ton of money into that country, uh, you know, to pursue certain strategic goals you know um there are consequences to that so you know i'm a little bit annoyed because i I keep on seeing china you know try to unload you know north korea's nuclear program you know the 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 solution to that on the united states that we're going to pay you know it's going to be south korea and china and south korea the united states and japan that pay the price of resolving the nuclear issue not north korea not you know not china not, not even the Soviets did that. You know, the, the North Koreans have been trying to, you know, build nukes going back all the way into the Cold War. When the Soviets realized what the North Koreans were up to, they, you know, they put the kibosh on it, right? Because the Soviets understood that if you're, you know, the Soviets were a superpower and they acted like one. The right? Soviets realized, were a superpower. <laughs> Take note, China. The Soviets were a superpower and they acted like one. That's good. Wow. Well, look, I mean, look, China, if they want to be a great power, they need to act like one. And, you know, I, I, I understand, again, I'm, I'm not completely unsympathetic to China when they say, look, you know, we're, yes, we're, you know, we might be a great power, but we're not imperialist like the Americans. We don't, you know, force countries, you know, not to, you know, force countries to do things. But the problem with China is it expects the United States to do, you know, force its allies to do things when said allies do things that annoy China. You know, for example, when the Taiwanese try to develop nuclear programs, the United States doesn't sit back and say, you know, tell China, oh, you know, you need to improve your relations with Taiwan so it doesn't build nuclear weapons. And, you know, you need to make concessions to Taiwan so it doesn't build nuclear weapons. No, the Chinese fully expect the Americans to go down and, and read the Taiwanese the Riot Act. Right. Because um, that's what great powers do, you know, um, because great powers realize if you don't take a proactive approach to these sort of things, it's going to lead to a reaction by other powers and, you know, create even bigger headaches. And, you know, China hasn't really had to deal with this yet. Um, and now it might, you know, now you have the South Koreans playing with that. Um, you have the South Koreans, you know, signing, uh, you know, making that deal, making the comfort women deal. But, I think, you know, from the Chinese perspective, they might be worried that this might be the start of, you know, increasing cooperation between South Korea and Japan. Um, and, you know, by extension, you know, South Korea, Japan and the United States um, as a way of, you know, creating a, a broader regional military alliance that might, you know, not not just deal with North Korea, but also deal with other you know areas in the region, for example, South China Sea. So, look, um yeah, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it would have been better for Beijing to, uh, you know, take a, a firmer approach to North Korea early. The more we talk about this, the more I realize how much knowledge I think is required to kind of understand this situation. You've, you've made the point before when we were talking about the, the Taiwanese flag controversy, how everything's tied together and it always brings up all these old issues. So 
as I think we've mentioned before on the podcast, it's always nice to see Korea working with Japan on something. And so even when you have something like this and there's a nuclear threat in North Korea or there are some problems with China, as you mentioned, the more that perhaps South Korea moves in with Japan, that's nice to see. But then there's always the old history there as well. So um, right. I guess the, the end of this conversation would just be that we don't know. And we'll, right. we'll see how it continues. Well, a couple of other things that should be noted. It's not just that. I mean, you know, today the F-22s. Yeah, the stealth. Um, yeah. You know, the F-22s came to, uh, to Osan. Now, four of them came over. Two will be remaining for the time being. Two will go back to Japan. You know, it's the first time since 2010 that, you know, the F-22s have, have visited Korea. Um, last Yesterday, was it? Um, the uh, was it the USS North Carolina, which is a Virginia class nuclear sub that you know uh, paid Pusan a visit. You know, last month you had the B fifty two. Next month uh, you have the the supercarrier, the uh, USS John C. Stennis, will be coming to the Western Pacific, and they're currently in talks with the the U.S. Navy is currently in talks with the South Korean government about how that's going to be deployed. Um, uh, something I didn't know, but uh, you know, while I was preparing for for the podcast today, I read um, apparently elements of the uh, First Special Forces Group and the Seventy uh, Fifth uh, Ranger Regiment are currently training with South Korean forces. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, since the nuclear test, since the uh, things are getting a little real right now. Well, yeah, you know, uh, since the nuclear test, since the missile test, there's been a a noted you know, uptick in the amount of, uh, you know, uh, allied military activity going on. Um, do I think any of this is going to change anything? You know, I mean, you, you know, the answer to that. Yeah. Um, no, but I definitely see a very, I definitely see a changing of attitudes with the South Korean government. Um, also something else today that was interesting and probably bears mentioning on this podcast, cause I do think it's a big deal. Um, the South Korean president today, Park Geun-hye, she was uh, talking at the National Assembly, and uh, she actually publicly talked about, or publicly mentioned, uh, you know, uh, North Korea collapsing. Yeah, I saw that. It was, it was the headline was like South Korea warns of insert word collapse, like imminent or like probable or well, likely. I mean, it wasn't that blatant. It wasn't that blatant. It was more. Um, you know, it was Pakane warning North Korea that if they, you know, keep basically if they keep things up, you know, they're going to end up, you know, the regime is if they think that nukes are going to protect them, it won't. It'll just hasten their collapse. Um, but the fact that she talked about the fact that she mentioned the C word, right, collapse um, in public is, yeah, it's a major taboo. People, you, a, it, 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 North Korea is going to lose its shit, um, to use the academic term for that. Um, they are going to go, they, they're going to go nuts about this. They, they do not like it when South Korean governments talk about, you know, anything that even resembles collapse. So I think they are going to go nuts about that. Um, but yeah, it's a big deal because people just don't, you know, it, it's something that even if you're preparing for it in in secret and there's and you know both the united states and south korea are you know they do have contingency plans for that sort of thing it's something that you're not supposed to talk about in public um you know the whole uh, um so 
I think that's going to be controversial within South Korea. I think the opposition is going to uh, not be happy about that. Although, something I also read today, which I thought was interesting, is last week, even the head, even the head of the opposition here, he, uh, he dropped the C word. You know, he dropped the C bomb uh, talking about, uh, you know, North Korea saying that uh, pretty much the same thing that, you know, uh, that the way things are going, that, you know, you know, North Korea will bring on, you know, its own regime demise and, uh, you know, warn them that, you know, the Soviet Union, you know, the Soviet Union didn't collapse because it didn't have nukes. Right. Um so even the opposition has, you know, been talking about collapse. And uh, um, I was reading a uh, editorial in the Hungary today um, that about Gaysong that was worried that the decision to close Gaysong might have been motivated by a feeling um, in the current, you know, uh, a feeling on the part of the Pakane administration that that the nuclear issue, the missile issue, but the nuclear issue will not be resolved as long as the current North Korean regime survives. They were worried about that. Um, and that now might be the time to really put the, the full core press on, on the North Korean regime to get them to collapse. Um, where, where, where before it was like, We'll see where it goes because the nuclear issue wasn't to the point that it is now. But now that it is, they say, okay, it just it has to end. Well, I mean, you know, all South Korean governments have been, you know, you know, basically since, you know, since uh, since her dad really um, have been married to the the idea that you know a peaceful unification that you know we're gonna you know hash these things out. We're gonna you know you know, create you know. Uh, you know, dialogue and, you know, maybe, you know, exchanges and cooperation and we'll eventually, you know, one day way down the line will come together and, and you reunify. Um, you know, even if, even if certain South Korean governments may not have ever believed that, you know, at least they paid lip service to it. Um, but now there's a feeling, and again, I don't know how true these are. I mean, certainly the South Korean government isn't, you know, certainly the Pakistani administration isn't publicly saying this. But I think some people suspect that, you know, what the, the South Koreans believe now is that, you know, yeah, they, these, these problems won't be resolved until North Korea finally collapses. And maybe now is the time to, um, you know, really up the, up the pressure on North Korea to try to tip them over the edge, um, you know, through what, what they were talking now is uh, secondary boycotts in North Korea. So, you know, putting sanctions on North Korea is one thing. But if you really want to, if you really want to, you know, stir the, if you really want to uh, hurt them, then what you do is you start, you know, you start sanctioning Chinese companies that do business with North Korea. Yeah. And they, they also said they don't want people to go to, was it North Korean restaurants or North Korean businesses? Well, yeah, that's, that's another thing. That's, I mean, that's all internal stuff, but we're talking about, you know, raising the possibility of, you know, getting, for example, the United States to start, you know, laying sanctions on Chinese companies that, you know, do certain kinds of business in North Korea. You know, that's a big, that's a, that's really upping, that's really escalating. 
Um, I don't think anybody's actually talked about doing that yet, but the Hungarian Shimun raised the possibility. I don't know whether it's, you know, because they actually fear, they're actually afraid that the government's going to do that or whether they're just fear mongering. I don't really know, but, um, certainly they're afraid of it. And, uh, you know, um, to be honest, to be frank, though, I think they are. If this, if the if the South Korean government does believe that that as long as long as the current regime in North Korea exists, it's not going to be a solution to the nuclear issue. If they believe that, I think I I, I think they're right. Um, that's personally how I feel. Um, um, you know, whether I think that you know South Korea should now try to, you know. Do everything it can to 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 to, to uh, you know spark a collapse of or you know to promote a, a North Korean regime collapse. That's another issue. I'm not sure if that's such a smart thing, but um, yeah, um, things are definitely changing, and they're definitely going in a way that if if you again if you were of the school of thought that you know the best way to promote you know, uh, international, you know, to promote peace in the region was by, you know, um, encouraging dialogue and interaction and engagement. And uh, it's definitely not going your way. Well, I guess let's uh, leave it there then. We're, we're running out a little bit of time here, and I definitely want to talk about this uh, final story here. But uh, speaking about a goodwill, you know, between two countries, like an ambassador that could come here to try to <laughs> unite a you know, two countries that are already pretty close. Um, Conan O'Brien came to Korea this week. Um, we can talk about this a little bit later, but I actually used to work for Conan O'Brien. I was an intern at the Tonight Show uh, back when it filmed in Burbank um, before they fired Conan. Um, I was there for a while back. Oh, God, what was that? 2009. Yeah, it was was that two thousand yeah, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine that was when I was back there. And then I believe he got he got taken out from the show in um the spring of twenty ten, I guess it would have been. But Conan, right. you know, he was greeted like a king when he came to Incheon International Airport. I believe he came on Sunday. Um, you know, you can see the photos, see the video. Um it's that type of thing where there's so many flashes going off, it's just like straight white light everywhere and he's already so pasty. Indeed. He's a very white dude. Yeah, very, very nice guy. He always treated the interns nice. You know, he'd come over and talk to us. Um, there apparently, though, has been a misstep that has upset some Korean fans, and I'm sure you know probably some foreign fans here, as I know a lot of my friends are very excited to hear that he was coming to Korea. Um, the Korea Times reports that this, uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, American late-night talk show host Conan O'Brien, he held an event on Monday evening. It was a meet-and-greet with fans. It was supposed to be apparently two hours somewhere around that amount of time, but it ended after only 30 minutes and apparently no clear explanation was given to the more than 200 people in attendance. So the event ended up closing before 8 p.m., but what really is making this story, aside from the fact that people were you know, perhaps a little bit upset that they only got a half an hour with someone they really wanted to talk to, by approximately 9 p.m., so somewhere around an hour later, the U.S. ambassador to South Korea, Mark Lippert, his Twitter account posted a photo of him standing next to Conan O'Brien with the title Welcome to Korea. So the Korea Times reports that fans at the event are now claiming, or at least at that time they claim, that the ambassador's unexpected appearance could be the reason for the disappointing length of the meet and greet. But the U.S. Embassy here in Seoul, as well as the event's organizers, they deny the allegation. They say the ambassador's visit was just brief, unrelated to the shorter-than-expected event, but they did not go on to specify the reason for the comedian's early departure. And of course, uh, you know, Conan O'Brien, he's here in Korea. 
Um, not because of, of any, you know, sort of big reason, but uh, he actually apparently got a fan letter from a Korean and uh, she sent him a package of Korean snacks. And that was why he decided to come here. So, Rob, what have you been seeing? What are, what are people talking about Conan O'Brien? Uh, are you excited to hear that Conan was coming to Korea? Are you happy that he's here? Are you a Conan fan? No, I mean, I'm not a huge Conan fan. I mean, I know that the guy is, I mean, I, I know I've heard from people that either work with him or, you know, work with people who've worked with him. That he's, you know, pretty, obviously he's a smart dude. Um, Went to Harvard? Yeah, um, you know, he's quite talented. Um, but, you know, I think it's kind of interesting that he's over here. I mean, he seems to be having fun. I checked out his Instagram, you know, uh, photos here. Posting some photos. He bought a pet squid and i think he named him samuel right i see he met with a changara i think he uh you know took some selfies with her he, um, went, he went to the dmz with um the guy from walking dead i was gonna say uh yeah i saw it was it who's what's his name steve Yoon? Is that I, I think that steve could Young? be it yeah he and he's been on the show before and also i think they went to a korean um sauna um, right. in, in la or something right. so. i'm so glad he didn't get eaten <laughs> that's right yeah that was a, that was a nice episode yeah no he crawled underneath the dumpster right you know because uh yeah i mean i you, you know grant you know you granted you know um you know, uh, you know, Walking Dead. You know, people die in that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm glad it has. I, I'm glad it hasn't reached Game of Thrones level yet. Of, uh... if, but if if he had died in the show, I remember um, I read something about how they were killing off some other characters of color around at the same time. It it might have turned into the Oscars at that point. So um, probably good that he stayed along. Right. Yeah. You know what? The zombie apocalypse to look too white. But uh, he's good. I like him on the show. So, you know, race aside, I was, I was glad that he, he – and, you know, he's married to the other girl. It would have screwed up the storyline. But True, true. He was uh, – <laughs> both fans of The Walking Dead, apparently. <laughs> so Conan's here, and um, I, I, I think, you know, aside from, you know, th- this misstep, and, like, you know, probably there wasn't too much there. I, I, I really think Conan's a nice guy. I never have anything bad to say about Conan, especially after, after working for him uh, for a short time as an intern. Um, I'm really happy – that he came to Korea. You know, like I've said before, I really enjoy living in Korea. I think it's a great time. I really like the people, like the culture. And anytime something like this can show off Korea to the world and not make it look insane, because there's some news stories that come out of Korea. And, you know, I think West Western audiences, especially in the United States, are just like, ooh, strange Korea. Um, and hopefully I don't think that's going to happen with Conan. Well, I mean, I find some of the strange, you know, you know, news stories amusing too. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, well, look, I mean, any, it, again, it's more evidence that Korea's international cool factor is, you know, uh, it's 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 at an all time high. Um, you know, you're getting people over here, and it, like you said, like you said, anytime you can show off the country uh, in a positive way to the international to an international audience, it's a good thing, um, especially. When you have North Korea, you know, throwing feces around the proverbial monkey ca- monkey chain, right? Uh, cage, um, you know, it's it's nice to be able to show that, you know, the entire peninsula isn't that way. <laughs> you know, you know, half the peninsula is a is a is a fairly normal place and a fairly cool place. And a small portion of it is just beautiful islands like Goje. Indeed, with big shipyards. Yeah, built big empty shipyards apparently at this point. <laughs> well, I yeah, they still got back orders, so I mean they're still pretty busy. But yeah, they might get empty soon if they uh, you know don't start uh, people don't start don't people don't start ordering boats. 
So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see how the rest of Conan's trip goes. Um, how long is he going to be here for? I, I think he was just a week um, from Sunday to, like, Friday, I think. is Apparently, um, there, are, there are some blo- Korean language blogs that are doing, like, crazy intense, like, Conan's going to be here at this time, here at that time. I haven't seen anything like that in, in English. Okay. Well, what I find actually kind of interesting about this is that Conan O'Brien's show is not shown here. No, you can't watch it on Korean television. I don't think any right. late night is on Korean right. television. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as I know, I don't think he had a huge fan base here before. Um, you know, but even at work, even at work here, you know, um, you know, people were asking me, hey, do you know who Conan O'Brien is? And I was like, yeah, I know who he is. I'm, what do you think of him? I don't, don't, don't watch late night TV. Um, you know, I want to talk about The Walking Dead. But <laughs> um, right. Steve's alive. I'm not sure if you saw the last episode. Well, I don't want to give any spoilers. Well, no, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not caught up. I haven't started. No, don't you do that. Don't you do that to me, Rob. That's no, 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 no. Okay. Um. Anyway, but yeah, people were asking me about. Hey, do I know who he is? And, you know, they've been following it. Um. Even though I'm not sure they really know anything about him. That's actually a good point. When when Conan came here and he was so popular and and it just seemed like everybody was really happy, I understood why foreigners, you know, Americans or Canadians or perhaps even Europeans would would understand that because maybe they had seen him or something like that. You know, and obviously the language, you know, they can appreciate it probably a little easier than some Koreans could. But yeah, the more that you, the more I think about it, what you just said. It is a little odd. Conan's not on Korean television, and it's not as if Koreans don't have the internet. But yeah. Maybe not entirely surprising, but people seem to be really into it. Well, like it. I said, anytime you get a you know a big American name, um, you know, uh, showing an interest in the country, that's you know that goes over well. I mean, same thing when you remember when Colbert, um, you know, did his whole uh, you know what was it dance off with uh, with Rain, with the Newsweek or Time, they were doing an online poll of like the most influential people, and uh, Rain won, and they beat out Colbert. And uh, so Colbert challenged him to, uh, it was pretty funny. Um, I think Col- Colbert ended up doing a Korean music video. It was uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, not well, as- But that's, that's, that, that's actually perhaps where we can end this thing with Conan. Conan, uh, um, he was on a Korean soap opera, and I heard he was doing a, a Korean music video as well. And apparently the guy from um, JYP is also meeting with Conan this week to talk about some project. Speaking, speaking of video, video, I mean, Jack Black was, obviously was here as well, where he was on um, yeah, Muhan oh, Dojo. Oh, my gosh. Let's, let's, let's just move. <laughs> let's just stop the podcast. Did you, did you see that episode? with Jack Black it was not good like even even I think I don't know it it seemed to go over it seemed to go over well Um, but it's Jack Black I mean I've seen that show plenty of times I you know my girlfriend loves that show and it was not I was not impressed with that at all well I I, well the thing I heard about that was that it really you know Jack Black could embrace his inner uh, his, his his inner nut job to a much greater extent than he could could in the United States yeah because Jack Black is is basically like a Korean comedian in the U.S. where like he just like makes weird noises and jumps around and has really <laughs> nice reactions. But he, even watching, yeah, he's really in his element here. <laughs> yeah, even but even watching that show, I swear, every once in a while, I I would look at Jack Black's face and just be like, I really don't think he wants to be there, and I really don't think he has any idea what they're doing right now, and he's just doing it because he wants to promote his movie, which, you know, every star, they're always doing things because they want to promote their movie, but, like, I I think if you could get 
him in a room and have a couple beers with him, I don't think he would really say too pleasant things about that show. I really think it was a little odd for him as well. Yeah, possible. Yeah, well, yeah. To each his own. Well, uh, we had a long episode, Rob. I appreciate the uh, the in-depth discussion of Gay Song and then a little bit uh, on the end <laughs> yeah, about know. Conan that apparently turned into Jack Black. But <laughs> yeah, it just, it just shows Korea's hip. I mean, you, you've said it before, Korea's hip right now, and I think it's only going to get a little bit hipper, so. Yes. Well, uh, Rob, I think we'll be back to uh, the real schedule now, so I guess uh, I'll speak with you next week. All right, well, talk to you next week.